And tonight we have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. Now, sheep is something that we hear a lot about in the Bible. They have a reputation for not being the smartest of God's creation. They're known to easily get distracted, and I can completely relate to that. And if you know me, you're shaking your heads right now. They find a spot of really yummy grass, and they start eating it, and, oh, it's so good. And then they look up, and they see this beautiful stream, and they're like, oh, something to drink. I'm on my way. Next thing they know, they see another spot of grass, and they're eating that grass. And before they realize it, they've wandered completely away. They have no idea how they got there or when they even got there. Adding to the reputation, I read about a farmer who had stretched a piece of rope across a barn door and called the sheep out. He let a couple of the sheep out and they jumped over the rope and then he decided to cut the rope. Well, sure enough, the rest of the sheep started jumping over the invisible rope. The sheep weren't thinking for themselves at all. There's another story. A true story. It's a story about 1,500 sheep who were left unattended. Something spooked them and they got scared, so they started to run. And they ran and they ran and they ran right off of a cliff. 400 of the 1,100 sheep died. The rest were saved. How were they saved? Well, only because the first 400 broke their fall. Following the crowd was a costly mistake for many sheep. They either died or most likely they became injured. And here's just one more example of why sheep might have gained their reputation. Watch this. I can't tell you how many times I've watched that over the last couple of days, and I'm so glad you guys are laughing because it cracked me up. But isn't it true? This sheep kept getting stuck in the same ditch over and over again and needed to be saved. It's funny to listen to stories about sheep until we realize that the Bible is often talking about us when it mentions sheep. Did you know that sheep are mentioned more than 500 times in the Bible? That's more than any other animal. The reason sheep are mentioned so often in the Bible is twofold. One, because sheep were important to the agriculture and the people of that time. The second reason is really because people can be very similar to sheep. When sheep do go astray, they may not know the danger they're in. Sheep wandering without a shepherd are exposed to all kinds of things because they don't have any natural defenses. Sheep need a shepherd who loves them enough to save them from wandering off, following the crowd, or ending up in a ditch. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The image of sheep running off and going astray gives us an image of human nature, of our sin. Notice how the verse says, all. All of humanity was born into sin. 
all of humanity is not just slightly lost, but completely lost. We choose to turn in a direction that moves us away from our shepherd, Jesus, and therefore it moves us from his protection and into danger. In Hebrew, the verb turned refers to not just a physical turning away from him, but also a mental turning. We have the choice, our way or God's way. Yet Isaiah says, each of us have turned our own way. Like the sheep, we may turn our own way because we get distracted and think the, grease, the grass is greener on the other side. Or because we're following the crowd. Maybe we end up in the same ditch of sin over and over and over again. Tonight, you may recognize yourself as the sheep in these verses. For one reason or another, you've wandered off and you're feeling a bit lost and unsure of where home is. You may be injured from your fall or wounded from your wanderings, but there is hope. Jesus is a good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verses 11 and 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Tonight, we're reflecting on the knowledge that Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life for all of us. He wants to bring you home. He wants to keep you safe and from all danger. And once you've decided to move from my own way to God's way, you can know Jesus as your Savior, and there will be eternal joy. Crosses, you see them in all kinds of places. In fact, sometimes you've seen them so much that if you're not looking at them, you're not really thinking about what you're seeing. Crosses have a special appeal to a lot of people. There's no question about that. You find them on hats and on T-shirts and on jackets. And we see that as a part of jewelry many times or bling, ladies have have them on as well. I, as I was greeting some folks tonight, I saw some crosses already in the congregation. Yeah, they're very, very popular. They also show up as tats or tattoos on people. Uh, they also happen to show up still in some official signs or, 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 or signals of the states or the communities, various municipalities. We have a cross on the highest part of our campus. Many of you know that, but some of you do not. It's behind the church, and uh, people can drive up there and spend some time in prayer, or they can walk up there. This last week, I spent a few minutes up there myself, just talking to God, looking at, uh, at this beautiful creation, and talking to Him about the service and about you. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. The pictures behind me our visible reminder of the price that Christ paid for each of us. He was pierced. His head was pierced with a crown of thorns. His hands and his feet were pierced with nails. And his side was pierced with a Roman spear. There's absolutely nothing lovely, nothing appealing, nothing peaceful whatsoever about a public crucifixion. Seneca, a philosopher of ancient Rome, said this, 
He said that if you know that you're going to be arrested and there's a good chance that you're going to be crucified, it would be better for you to simply commit suicide. Cicero, a Roman statesman and lawyer, called crucifixion the extreme and ultimate punishment. He said it's the cruelest and most disgusting penalty. Josephus was a historian at that time, and he called it the most pitiful of deaths. Yes, the cross was an extremely effective way to to torture someone for an extended period of time. Jesus bloodied from the whipping that he received and from the piercing of the nails. He was there on the cross for a long six hours. People that were crucified in Jesus' time were crucified because of what they had done. Some of them were rebels. Some were pirates. Uh, They might have been considered enemies of the state, and there were some that were simply despised criminals. But put very simply, Jesus was not on that cross because of what he had done. Jesus was on that cross because of what all of us have done. Jesus wasn't on that cross to pay for his sins. Jesus was on that cross to pay for the sins of all humanity from the beginning of time right to the very end of time itself. Yes, the, uh, the, one, the one criminal hanging beside Jesus spoke to the other one, and he simply said to him, you know what, we're getting exactly what our deeds deserve, but this man, Jesus, has done nothing wrong. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings or temptations that we have, yet he did not sin. Anyone that was crucified found it extremely painful and torturous indeed, but but Jesus also had the weight of the world's sin on his back. The sins of all humanity from all time were crushing his spirit. He knew what he was about to face before that, and that's why in the garden he knelt and prayed and said, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of, of suffering away from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. There's a reason that Jesus is referred to as, as the suffering Messiah and as the man of sorrows. Chuck Swindoll put it like this. He said, Jesus Christ's obituary was written centuries before he was even born. And the shadow of the cross stretched more deeply across his path every day of his earthly life. His mission caused him to die in his 30s, at the age when most people are just entering into their careers or, or beginning to smell success at a distance, Jesus died. On top of that, his death was brutal. It was slow and excruciating death that defies imagination. He was indeed a man of sorrows. He faced mental anguish as well as physical suffering. And he did all of that. He did all of that, my friends, to fulfill the Father's purpose. And he did all of that for you and for me. These have been some beautiful moments together. I don't know about you, but I greatly appreciate services and moments like these and the chance to recognize what Jesus has done for us. That's why we're here. That's what today is about. It's to recognize what Jesus has done for us. And in that, to recognize the need that we have for a Savior. 
the chance that we have to turn to him. Transparently, behind the scenes, a service like this can be somewhat difficult for us to plan at times, to put the pieces together. It's, it's one of those moments, I don't know about you, you can ask yourself that right now. How are you doing? How are you feeling in this moment? It can be hard to quite get the feeling that we want because we, we know the end of the story. Had an opportunity to to talk with Anthony, our worship leader, this week. And we were talking about songs for this moment and how it can be difficult because most of the songs about this moment continue on, don't they? They don't stop here at this day. They continue to talk about the rest of the story that we know. We know Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is coming. And we know the rest of that story. And so if in your heart right now you feel a little bit of imbalance in that, that's okay. For 2,000-some years, we have been trying on this day to grasp something special and meaningful in this moment, all the while knowing that we know the greatest spoiler in the history of the world. We know that resurrection is it's, it's coming. And maybe if you're here and you're joining us and you're totally new to Christianity, completely new to church, and, and most importantly, a relationship with Jesus Christ that's totally new to you, there's a solid chance you still know the spoiler. You know that Jesus will rise. He will rise. Sunday is coming. And if you don't know that, I do encourage you, come and join us on Sunday morning. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. It is true. We can't separate these moments. We can't separate these moments, and we probably shouldn't. We have to live with the hope of knowing that God will always have the last say, that resurrection is coming, that the story isn't over. Even on the first Good Friday, when Jesus took that cross, if his disciples had listened to the things that he was saying, they should have known that something like that was coming. But in that understanding, may we recognize and do our very best in this moment right now to see that we can't skip this day Good Friday. We can't skip it. We all need this day. We have to grasp and embrace this day. We need a Savior. A sacrifice had to be made. We need Jesus and all that he provided and did for us. He carried his cross. He faced pain and betrayal, loneliness and the weight of our sins, my sins. He suffered, and then he died for us. There is no hope for us without this day. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it tells us this. It says, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus. Jesus. I ask myself at times, why did Good Friday, why did Jesus' sacrifice have to happen? May we remember this. May we remember that we can't really have Easter Sunday without Good Friday. May we remember that we can't fully be aware of God's love without the sacrifice of his one and only son, which proved that love in an immeasurable way.
beyond what we could understand. May we remember that we can't know, grasp, believe, embrace that our sins are truly forgiven. The things that we have done, the weight that's on our shoulders, the burdens of our hearts, that those are truly forgiven without the wonderful and yet horrible sacrifice that Jesus paid for us and for those sins. May we remember that we can't have eternity without this death, his death. And finally, may we remember that we can't live today, can't live today in true freedom from the threat of sin and death without Jesus' wonderful work on the cross. We need this moment. I encourage you, embrace, believe. There is only one way, only one way to find all of this and more in believing in Jesus' sacrifice for you and for me. If you're here joining with us in person, online, and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to hear this incredible truth. There is only one name that we turn to for the promise of eternity, one name that provides true freedom here on earth. That name is Jesus. There is one sacrifice that has made that possible, and that was Jesus. I encourage you to make this Good Friday truly a good Friday, the greatest Friday of your life, and accept him as your Savior. Now, I know I can see many faces that I recognize here, and I know that there are some of us who are here and we have accepted Christ as our Savior. You probably came here with mixed feelings in all of this. You have lived a few Easter's probably, and you know the celebration that's coming, but I encourage you also not to forget this simple truth. Be reminded why this horrible day is so good for each and every one of us. Remember that there is only one path to salvation in all of life, one place where freedom is found, one sacrifice that for our lives will bring real and true fulfillment. Remember that this is it. All of us and all of our eggs are in this basket. I would encourage you to remind yourself of that. When the pressures of life, the thoughts of your bank account, when the things in your house, the stuff that you drive, when all of those things that you think might bring you purpose or fulfillment, other relationships here on this earth, I would encourage and remind you now in this moment, there is one place where fulfillment is found, one place where true contentment rests, one place where for all the things in our lives that we need it, we will find salvation. That is Jesus Christ. And so with all our eggs in that basket, may we ask ourselves in this moment, are we living that truth in our own lives? And as we leave this place, for everyone else out there, are we loving like this is our truth as well? It is Good Friday. This day has brought so much change and truth and goodness into our lives. 
may we recognize our Savior, our one and only way, our one true Savior, Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, God above, I pray over the individuals right now who may in their hearts be searching their beliefs. They haven't had a chance to turn their hearts over to you, or maybe they've had that chance, but they haven't made that decision yet, God. God, in this moment, I pray that you would give them opportunity to recognize the chance that they have to turn their hearts towards you. God, I ask that you would open their hearts to your love and your grace, and may, through the sacrifice of Jesus, may they recognize the chance that they have to recognize true love, to find the truth and the freedom for eternity and for life here, now, today. Bless them as their heart searches and their minds open to you. God, I pray for all of us as we live in life. God, our world is filled. We look around us. We look around at the horizontal and we see all those things that we think can bring us contentment and purpose and all those things, things that can pull us one way or the other. And God, I ask that in this moment, we would look vertically to you and recognize in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, all that we have been given, all that we have. May we recognize the one way for eternity, the one way for life today. Bless us with that truth, God. God, we turn our hearts to you. Be with us now. In this Easter season, may your name be lifted high. May Jesus and his sacrifice be glorified, God. We love you. We thank you. Be with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.